Thanks for joining us on the Church of the Lakes podcast, where we inspire life, share life, and give life. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at cotlakes.com. We'd love to connect with you. Now, let's go to the message. Let me jump in and teach you because the kids are going to help me real quick. But I want to explain to you what we're doing this morning. So our children's ministry works through a curriculum that puts the Bible chronologically in order. Got it? Chronologically means, you know, in time. Do you understand that? Um, somebody next to you is from something can't explain that to them. But, um, just kidding. That was, that was a joke. Just kidding. So, no, but listen, so chronologically, they put things in order, and, uh, and they have a timeline that they do. Timeline looks like this. So this is kind of, at the beginning of the school year, they start a creation. Uh, by Christmas, they're Christmas, Easter, they're Easter. They go through the rest. When they come back the next year, they go all the way through the chronology again, but they just do different stories. They have different stories for three years, so it's not until the fourth year that a kid hears the same story in that whole scenario. So we want to program into them an understanding of that story until they begin to think abstractly, right? Once they begin to understand abstract, because most of the concepts we have in the church, like love, sharing, these are abstract concepts, they're not concrete for them. So we put the timeline together. So since our kids are with us, then I wanted to stick with their timeline for them. Okay, and so this week is the story of Zacchaeus. Does everybody remember the story of Zacchaeus? All right, let's, let's see. Let's see. Zacchaeus was a... Right, if somebody needs to be singing right now, they probably spent time in Baptist church. I'm just saying. Right. Which I did as well, right? But here's the deal. Listen, big idea for their, their so parents, I'm just trying, adults, I'm trying to catch you up. Uh, the big idea for today is this for them. Jesus doesn't look down on people, so we shouldn't either. That's their big idea for today. And then there's a key verse out of John 13, 34. You must love one another just as I have loved you. Now, to love one another is going to require something that I believe is very, very, very unsettling. It's a word called grace. See, the, the first part of that that says... You should love one another. We all go, oh, yeah. Like, almost everybody on the planet would just kind of be like, yeah, you should love one another. Everybody should love each other. It's the second part of that that's the hard part. Just as I have loved you, but like Jesus loved has sacrificed his entire life for us. So I want us to, to look at two stories today, two stories that are going to help us to understand this, and we're going to get a little something. We're going to talk about grace today. We're going to talk about God's grace. But the first story is going to come to you at the hell by some of our members from Children's Church. And the curriculum they're doing right now this month is called Pixel Party. Okay? Now, for us old people, we're like, what are you talking about? But you know what's up? This pixelated on your screen, it gets all squares, right? Well, what these kids think of when they see pixelated is something called Minecraft. Um, so when they see these characters, that's where their brain's going to go. I'm just trying to catch us old people up on that one, okay? So you understand, that's why they're doing kind of a pixel boring. So here's, here's Kids Church with the story of Zacchaeus. All right, welcome to our pixel party. This story, yeah, pixel party. This story you can find in your Bible in Luke chapter 19. Jesus enters Jericho, and he was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus, and he lived there in Jericho. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our pixelated Zacchaeus. 
someone who collected money from the people to give to the government. But they were also known for cheating people out of their money. And because of this, people looked down on Zacchaeus. Oh, look at the shame. Shame, shame. Well, there's another reason people looked down on Zacchaeus. He was really short. Oh, wait. Our Zacchaeus seems a little tall. Here, Zacchaeus, try this. You can put these shoes on. Here, Zacchaeus, put these shoes on. There. Fixed it. He looks much better. One day, Jesus was passing through the town where Zacchaeus lived. This is Jesus, you guys. Our pixelated Jesus. Jesus was passing through the town where Zacchaeus lived, and Zacchaeus had heard all about Jesus, and he was very excited to see him. There was one problem, though. Everyone else was excited to see him, too. And Zacchaeus, he was too short to see through the crowd. Yeah, it didn't work, though. If he was going to see Jesus, he was going to have to seek a more elevated spot. Zacchaeus ran as fast as his little legs could carry him toward a nearby sycamore tree. He ran so fast that his tiny little feet came out of his tiny little shoes. Zacchaeus climbed up the tree so he could see over the crowd. Jesus, Jesus went to the spot where Zacchaeus was. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus couldn't believe it. Jesus knew his name, and he wanted to stay at his house. Zacchaeus wasn't the only one who couldn't believe it. The crowd couldn't believe it either. Oh, they look angry. Get this angry crowd. There she is. Oh, she looks so angry. Why would Jesus want to spend time with a short little sinner who cheats people out of their money? But listen to what Zacchaeus said.
t-shirts on. Like, we've got the crowd going, we love Jesus, yes, we do, we love Jesus, I'll buy you, and the other side goes back. Like, there's this whole, and then he says, I'm going to go to your house tonight, and, 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 and I kind of picture, do you remember, remember school fights? Like a circle forms, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I picture that, almost like he comes down on a tree, and the circle forms, and he steps in the middle, and they're thinking, yeah, finally, finally going to get what he deserves, right? Like, somebody pulled out their phones, like, world star, so we all know what that means, but that's all right. But, but, but there's, there's, this, there's this moment where the crowd feels unfairly treated. You know what I'm saying? And I think sometimes that's really kind of where we are. See, these angry people, this isn't fair. This isn't how it's supposed to work. This, this is not what's supposed to happen. So over and over in the form of parables, Jesus would try to explain an upside-down kingdom. Have you ever heard that term? That, that, that God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. It's, it's not like what we see in the world. As a matter of fact, it's the complete opposite of what we see in the world. And he's trying to express to us this upside-down kingdom that he came to inaugurate this brand-new set of ethics, this brand-new way of seeing the world. So on a different occasion, he attempted to explain this upside-down kingdom, this new value, this grace that people seem to be so unfamiliar with in the ancient world and today. Would you, would you agree we don't see a lot of grace in our culture today? Like, like the first thing that pops to my mind when I think of the word grace is social media, right? That was a joke. Right? I mean, you post something on social media, Lord have mercy. You're about to get ripped up and down. And, and, and so he's trying to explain to us this concept of grace, and he, and he tries to explain it through another parable that's found in Matthew 20 that I want to walk us through and compare the story of Zacchaeus and the parable of the land guru. Let's walk through it. Matthew 21. For the kingdom of heaven, here he goes, trying to explain it. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning. Now, let me just explain that would be about 6 in the morning in their culture. So 6 a.m. Here they go. And he goes out to hire workers for his vineyard. So the rich landowner would go to the public square where the day laborers kind of gathered, right? And he would hope to choose uh, some for that day. Uh, usually hired everybody he needed for the whole day all at once. He really didn't care about the workers. He just wanted to get the work done. So they go in verse 2. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard. He said, okay, this is the day, and you're a day laborer, so... So they went. So 
Now, maybe you've heard this story before, maybe you haven't. But if you've heard this parable before, you already know where this is going. And it's unsettling. It's unsettling because it seems unfair. Right? Like, if you already know this, the story's really not how you build a following if you're Jesus or a movement. It's the opposite of everything that everybody grew up with, that everybody had experienced. But it's the way that you introduce the upside-down kingdom of God. So this fictitious landowner who owned this vineyard that he'd seen these fictitious workers to work, the next, the next text says this, he went out again. He went out again? What? He went out again about noon and about three and did the same thing. Now, one of the things that Jesus did, because he was so brilliant and amazing and, and unbelievable, was that he always took things to an edge when he told the story. And he would take things to an extreme, and you can almost see the crowd as they're hearing the story, trying to fill in the blanks, trying to understand, trying to like, where's he going? Why would, what we got? Now we've got, we've got 12-hour workers, and now we've got 9-hour workers, and now we've got 6-hour Like, where's he going? What's, what's the deal with this? Nobody would do this. And then they would be thinking, you know, every time Jesus tells a parable, there's usually a God figure and there's a me figure in the story. And so I'm trying to figure out in the story, okay, so who's God and where do I fit in and how do I fit in the story? He goes on, and here's the extreme and the brilliance of Jesus. Verse 6, about 5 in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing around here all day long doing nothing? And he gives the answer to it, and so does everybody in the crowd. Verse 7, because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. And then I think Jesus pauses to let this settle in. And we as hearers of it for the first time, or those hearing it of the crowd for the first time, I think some of them are going, this is going to be a disaster. Like, what is he going to do? Like, how does this work? And when he comes back, is he going to like, okay, 12-hour people here, and 9-hour people here, right? 6-hour people, and then 1-hour people. Why don't you want 1-hour? He said he went out at 5. By the time they got out to the vineyard, did a little work, and then sent them back to get back for 6, they probably put in 30 minutes, 45 minutes maybe. But how is he going to even begin to deal with this? He goes on to verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to this foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired, the 5 o'clock people, and going on to the first. And the audience is thinking, okay, here we go. This is going to be kind of interesting. So, so it starts with the people who basically worked an hour, maybe 25 minutes or whatever. And here's Jesus' way of saying, this is what God is like. Catch this. He's trying to help us understand what is God like. And what he's about to unfold, if you did not know where the parable goes already, is is so unsettling for us. For us people that like fear. Right? Come on. I'm just as guilty as anybody else in here.
comes out of the door. Because we're the two-hour, nine-hour workers. And I'm not sitting here looking at a room full of church people. Like we come to church, and we go to ABF, and there's Sunday school, and Pastor Doug, and then we're getting in a small group, and I'm a leader on the dream, and I'm on the dream team, and I serve, and I sit up, and I do all these things. So when somebody undeservedly gets something, it's unsettling. Yes. Yeah. Text goes on. The worker who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. Okay. Got to be two thoughts going on. One is this people in the crowd listening to the story of the people standing there going, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's what you told the 12 hour people. What the heck? And then there's others that the brains think differently and they're standing over here in the 12 hour line and they're going, this is awesome. Because if they got a denarius for an hour, I'm getting 12. Because it's fair. They received what the original group was promised, and everybody alive behind them went wild because, hey, we're going to get more. Then, then verse 10, so when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received denarius. What do you think their faces look like? <laughs> you need to go back and get more? Am I waiting? Just like the people in Jericho who got there early in the parade and thought that they should be more likely to be somebody who would get to see or meet Jesus. And yet it was Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the jerk, the guy who's robbing us every day. I mean, he's a Jew. He's a Jew that has sided with the Romans to, tre- to, to cheat the Jews. What jerk? He gets to see Jesus. What the heck? Verse 12. These who were hired last worked only one hour, and they said, and you have made them equal to us. But who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day? And they are not equal to us. They're not equal to us. I, I work too much. I was out in the heat of the day. Oh, boy, came out about 4.15. He didn't even do much in the 30 minutes he was out there. Jesus is trying to get us to understand something. I'll let you know in verse 13. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. <laughs> yeah, but what standard, big boy? What are you talking about? You're, you're, I mean, I'm one of the 12-hour guys. 12 hours, 45 minutes, same pay, hello. And then it says, they didn't like that either. And so, said this, didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. And then Jesus, through the voice and the words of the vineyard owner, gives us a really big clue about the way life, uh, of the way of life that he's invited us to is supposed to go. Are you ready for this? Listen to me, church. Are you ready for this? He says these first two words, I want. And most people jump right past those two words. Because in that moment, what he says is, hey, Hey, guys, let me refocus your mind. It really is not about what you want or what you think or what 
you do or don't get. I want. And what Jesus is saying to us is the upside down kingdom is not about every one of us getting fair and the same. The upside down kingdom is about God giving as each needs. Right? Fair. We, we use that word quite right often. And, you know, if you're a parent, you might have heard that a couple of times. That's not fair. Look at a popsicle. Well, I got was a little less than a five or whatever, right? Listen to me. Fair in God's economy is that everyone gets what they need. Not that everybody gets the same. Right? This he goes on. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. And I can see there looking at these words and go, whoa, 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 whoa. You gave? Gave? You didn't give me Jack. I worked 12 hours. I worked my butt off for you. Gave? And you gave them the same thing, but you didn't gave me nothing. And he responds, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? And then this, this is the punchline. This is the crowd goes silent. This is the convicting part. This is the moment that if nobody had figured out who they were on the parable, they were about to figure out, I'm the crowd member, I'm the 12-hour worker. In this next statement, Jesus illuminates the absurdity of resistance to grace. He illuminates Mike's hypocrisy. When I am so resistant to grace. When I'm so resistant to let others get grace, when I don't feel like I'm getting the same penny at the same time. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Jesus puts the spotlight right on my hypocrisy. When it comes to the subject and nature of grace, you ready for this? Still in the parable. He says the word, or. He says to the vineyard's owner, the fictitious person in the vineyard, he says, or, are you resentful because I'm generous. Alright, like, you know, resentful of generosity? Who would resent be resentful of generosity? I mean, how childless and mature and never mind. No, 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 no. I'm not resentful of generosity. I just, I work harder. You're not resentful because of my generosity, are you? And it is so brilliant. And in this moment, Jesus outs all of us. Because we see the way the 12-hour laborer sees. Right? In, in this parable, through many other parables and throughout his ministry, Jesus invites you and Jesus invites me to come and see the world differently. And to see people differently. And to see the people around us differently in our relationship with God differently. Because the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is characterized by unsettling generosity. Grace. You know what I mean? It's grace. He's, he's, he's crying out. And Jesus through this parable is asking me. And Jesus through this parable is asking you. Can you handle that? Can you? Will you participate in that? That's probably the harder question, right? Will you participate in that kind of risk? Will you step into a system where the undeserving get exactly what they don't deserve? What's quiet in this Presbyterian church? 
That's a tough question, is it not? That's a really tough question. And yet Jesus poses that exact question to every single one of us. Would you be willing to extend to others exactly what they don't deserve because your heavenly Father has extended to you exactly what you do not deserve? That's the call. That's the call of a follower of Christ. And of course, all the prodigal sons, <laughs> like grace, woo, yes, love it. Right? And all the prodigal daughters are like, woo, come on, grace me, brother. Right? And all the prodigal dads who ran and walked away from their responsibility and left their family. And a couple years later, kind of like, oh, yeah, they're going grace. Yeah, the moms have walked away from their kids and their responsibilities. And, and those of us who have made terrible decisions, we go grace. But let me ask you, when it comes time to give it, where are we? Where are we? That's the upside down kingdom. That's what Jesus is calling you and I to do. Is is to come out of this. He says, look, when you begin to understand what my father's kingdom is like, when you begin to understand the value system I've come to introduce to this world, when you step into this and fully embrace it, every single day of your life, it may feel, the rest of this verse finishes like this, it may feel like the last are first, and the first are last. To do this, you're going to have a thought. Anybody here ever had a thought? Why do the, why do the jerks seem to be winning? You ever had that feel? I remember when we lost our child, one of the selfish things that I said when we lost our child was, ask you a bunch of idiots having kids. But God, why do you, why do you take our child? But God in his wisdom has all things worked out. And his grace is unsettling. Because it's not fair, and the first will seem last, and the last will seem first. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? This is what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. This is what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. This, for Mike, is probably one of the most unsettling parts. Right? Because we're not on the road driving. This is so awesome. I can't wait to say what I'm about to say. I've been waiting since just a couple hours ago. So this morning I came early to meet some of our folks here. And I was jamming away to a song that we're going to end the service with. And we're paying attention, but we got here, right? And the, and the besties pull up. She's about to get mad at me. And, and, the, and, the, and she says, Pastor Mike, did you see that gray truck almost cut you off? And I went, no, I, well, I didn't even notice it. And apparently they were trying to get over, I guess. And I wouldn't pay attention. I didn't let them in. And so they had to slow down and go behind me. She went, oh, good. So we won't be in your sermon today. I love you, Meskies. You're awesome. Um, but, but listen, I, you needed to laugh because we were in a heavy place. You, just, you know, we need to laugh for a minute. But listen, let's, let's get back to what God's doing to us today and what he's saying to us today. I've come to introduce you to the world of an upside-down kingdom. When you step into this and fully embrace it, 
that will feel unfair. Do you know why it feels unfair? It's because it's the way that we define or find fair. See, in our culture, in our world, in the wrong way of doing kingdom, we compare to determine fair. Compare. Well, what he gets, I should get. What they get or what they do, I should do. And I need you to hear the biggest takeaway that I've got for you today out of these two stories is this. Grace doesn't compare. Grace doesn't compare. Grace doesn't compare because grace in Jesus is always married to truth. And the truth is we have fallen short of God's glory. Come on, somebody. Can you admit that this morning? Right? But the amazing thing is, this is why, again, you, you have to understand the system that Jesus leaves us with at the end of his ministry. The system that the Apostle Paul and Peter and others would come alongside behind Jesus to tease out and explain and, and kind of document for us. It's beyond fair. Because in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, over and over, Jesus emphasizes this. Everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. Well, what about that person that, you know, right now they're deathbed last night, they get just prayer prayer, they get to go to heaven too. See, this is going on with them. It's like they're being blessed and they're getting to do this. I'm over here struggling and I'm, what are we doing? Compare. Grace doesn't compare. Grace understands our God. Our God was smarter than all of us combined could ever imagine being. He's got all things worked out in his time. And if we will trust, we've been singing it for years, amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet this out. Let me ask you a question. Is it really sweet to you? And we can't just sing the song. We need to think about the words that we're singing. Is it sweet to you that somebody else would get better than you if, if, if you do the compare thing? Are you, are, you, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Does that, does that make sense? Everybody's invited in the kingdom of God. Everybody gets in through the same door. And the door is Jesus. Jesus. Grace and truth personified Jesus who called sin, sin, and sinners, sinners, and then died for them. I say that again. Who called sin, sin, and sinners, sinners, and then died for the sin of those sinners. That's grace. And we are his followers. And we might love in the same sacrificial way. And everybody comes through that one door by placing their faith in Jesus as the Savior. Trusting that what he did on our behalf made us right with God, regardless of how unright we've been and regardless of how unsettling that it might sound. Do the compare thing and 
God's grace to be God's grace in the way that he wants. I can hear the voice of the landowner, right? Is, is it okay if I do with my money what I want to do with my money? I, I can hear God looking at us and going, is it okay if I do with my blessings the way I do with my blessings? <laughs> and will you extend the grace that's been given to you? We sang something that stood out to me and I literally I bust into tears. I'm trying to say the words. Instead, I want to go back to where we started. Do you remember? Do you remember the first time you experienced God? Do you remember the transition in your heart, the thing that, that happened that moment? And there's just this, man, it's awesome. And the reason I burst out of tears here is I said, God, please take me back to that. Please help me. Forgive me, God, because I've gotten so calloused and churchy. Right? I had the most amazing opportunity yesterday to, to speak with a woman about playing pickleball of all places. To talk a little bit about her life, and she was like, well, this is what's in my life, and how do y'all feel about that as a church? And I had the opportunity to just look at her and go, we love you, man. And I was thinking about this teaching and just thinking, grace, grace, right? And so, man, I said, I want to challenge us, church. How about we apply some grace to our posting? How about we apply some grace to the coworkers? How about we apply some grace to our kids? I've done that every once in a while with my kids. I had the opportunity to do it again yesterday. When I had trouble or something, I had gotten all mad. I was fuming. And God said it to me, and so I went back and I said, you know what? Grace. It's like it never happened. No punishment. This is what grace is. Why? Because I want my kid to understand the upside down kingdom. Right? Hey, God, would you give us grace to show grace? Would you bow your heads and ask God to help us with this idea today? Mm. Thank you for the challenge. Wow, the challenge today that you put to us. God, I acknowledge my hypocrisy. I lay my hypocrisy before you right now. And I pray that you would pour out your grace as you see it, because it's all about you and not about me and not about my opinion or my wants or my desires. Father, if there's anybody here this morning who has ever received your grace, would you meet them right where they are this morning? Maybe they feel a little bit less than or not even really sure why I came this morning. But now I'm, I'm, I'm feeling something I just need to say to you. That's the Holy Spirit putting on your heart saying, I love you. And I'll take you right where you are. With your mess and your stuff. And all the stuff nobody else knows about. Because I have grace for you. That grace comes through a relationship with Jesus. If you need to have that relationship, you might pray something like this. Jesus, today I gave you my heart. 
Thank you for giving me your grace and for giving me of my sins. As best as I know how, I'm going to figure out how to serve you for the rest of my days and fulfill your purposes for my heart and my life. If your eyes still close, I want to do something a little different, a little bit special. Who do you need to give grace to? Get real for a second. Where does grace need to be applied? No, they don't deserve it. Yes, they were wrong. It's not the point. The point is, is in my heart, for me to serve with you, grace, undeserved, unmerited. So would you name that person right now and prayers God? Say today, God, I choose to give them grace and ask you to pour your grace out upon them. Heal my heart from hurt and frustration and struggle. Help me to trust you that you are ultimately fair in all things. That you will bring justice to all things. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to help you on your next steps. Please visit cotlakes.com. Join us weekly as we continue to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in our community.